Good morning and welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast Live. It is Wednesday, the 15th of August, 2018. The Business Leadership Live is a live radio call-in show where I speak to amazing business leaders, subject matter experts, and, and thought leaders to discuss the latest innovations, current events, or best practices that will help you personally and professionally grow. This call is brought to you by Dialogue, so if you like discussions and debates, host your own call and talk show over social media. So first off, thank you for joining us. I am Edwin Frendozo. Welcome again and, and happy Wednesday. Super excited to introduce my co-host. My ho- my co-host today is Sean Sean Pellin. Felon. Sean, uh, sorry if I'm butchering your name. He is the <laughs> he is the VP of business development at Vice Media. He's been there 16 years and and he's overseen the launch of a dozen digital channels. He also created best-in-class sponsored content and 360-degree campaigns for brands. Um, in many international brands like Kraft, Molson, Nissan, CIBC, um, I think your list goes on and on, Sean. And what we're going to talk about is the challenges of being a media company in a duopoly landscape. Um, Sean, um, I, before I before I introduce you, Sean, if you are joining us live. We'd love to hear from you. I mean, this is an interesting for me personally. This this topic is is just super relevant today. So love to hear your thoughts, questions. Um, you could type it directly into the browser, or if you have a story or, or really have some insight that you want to join the conversation, you could hit it right in the browser, and, and you could join Sean and myself. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No, thank you so much. I know right before we pressed record, we were talking about a number of things that were in the news. But before we get into that, I'm sure this, I don't, you know what, Sean, I have no idea where this conversation is going to go, but I'm super excited because I I don't know, having a podcast, I sort of became a media personality. So this is all new to me. So I'm just inhaling everything that I can when it comes to media and seeing how I sit in this whole type of landscape and and sometimes how I can answer things as well. So again, thank you for your time. Um, I'm just going to jump right in. Specific question, something you and I talked about. I mean, we know that traditional media landscape has has been taken over by by the tech model, you know, the Facebooks, the Twitters. Um, So can you go in a bit more in depth about what that actually looks like now? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, I think the bottom line is that uh, you know these days the digital ad spend uh, across the board, and I, there's varying numbers uh, depending on the outlet. But Group M, which is the largest advertising conglomerate in the world, uh, put the number at 84% of total digital ad spend globally is going to either Facebook or to Google. Um, so that's what we mean when we talk about a duopoly. Uh, they really have come to dominate the market. And I mean, there's good reasons why. Uh, They have massive audience. They can deliver campaigns at scale. Uh, They can also target very effectively. So you need to reach a 19 to 23-year-old who lives in an urban center. They can do that for you. Um, So yeah, they've got a strong product and they are dominating the landscape. But, you know, the fact is that we like to go browse the internet, go to hundreds of different sites. Those sites depend on digital ad revenue. And and that's where the challenge lies. And you're seeing a lot of publishers uh, failing as a result uh, because the the, the ad dollars that were there before just aren't there anymore. So that's what we talk about when we talk about the duopoly landscape. 
Yeah, so I mean, really, in a nutshell, you're just basically saying traditional people, everyone's trying to figure out what to do because you have these behemoth tech companies that maybe didn't want to be media companies, but just by the nature of attracting billions of people onto one platform, they just become a media company. Like, whatever they do, it's a media company. Um, you, you talk about challenges or, or, or things that that some of these traditional publishers are doing like like what are you seeing that they're still trying to do and it's just like you know you you see maybe your peers or people out there still trying to do it like and you just, just shake your head like what are people still trying to do well you know i think one of the challenges one of the big challenges in the last year for media publishers has been that uh, facebook changed its algorithm um so before uh you had a lot of media companies that grew as Facebook grew over the last decade. So uh, they relied heavily on Facebook for traffic. And uh, in the the wake of the US presidential election, um, where a lot of fake news helped sway the results, uh, Facebook cracked down on uh, news publishers, digital publishers in general. So their algorithm change, I don't know the specifics of it really, but I know that their algorithm change uh, basically f- favored uh, posts uh, about friends, family, uh, as opposed to publisher uh, posts. So some, you know, some digital ad companies saw their traffic drop by like 90, 95%. They were basically decimated by that. And that's really just changing the algorithm. That's the power of tech companies. And we see that kind of disruption not only in the media landscape, uh, but like, for example, look at uh, what Amazon has done to bricks and mortar retail. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the power to disrupt at a massive scale and you've got to adapt or die. I mean, that's really interesting. When did that algorithm change? Like, I imagine a lot, l- like you said, and you probably have peers that were in those publishing or media companies that as soon as Facebook <laughs> changed, like, I, I would, for lack of better terms, like flip the switch on the new algorithm, like, did companies actually really like close down and lose business like significantly? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were at Vice, we were lucky. I mean, because of our scale and because of uh, uh, our relationship with Facebook, um, you know, we were talking to them months in advance of the algorithm change and preparing for it. So we didn't take much of a dip, uh, but the change happened last fall and those who weren't prepared, uh, yeah, it, it was in some cases completely ruinous. And you've seen as a result, uh, you know, media companies that were once, uh, you know, doing 20, 30 million, uh, you know, users per month, unique visitors per month are, are now down to two, three, four million. And that's, that's, you know, hugely affects the bottom line. And when you were talking about the algorithm, was that, I mean, me looking in as a Facebook user, was it the algorithm that I would organically see on my news feed? Or is it something that, Facebook still allows me to see ad or sponsored content? I mean, you'll still be able to see it, uh, especially if the media company or whoever's publishing the sponsored content, the brand, uh, puts paid behind it with Facebook. Um, That's part of their revenue model is, oh, yeah, the algorithm's going to prevent people from organically seeing it. However, if you give us X amount of dollars, we'll make sure that that's promoted into their news feeds, and then you can target it and what have you. So you can still find it. But organically, in your newsfeed, yeah, the algorithm is going to favor stuff that your friends are f- posting, stuff that your family is posting, stuff that's more relevant to your personal life. Uh, 
and yeah, it was a bit of a broad stroke uh, to cut down on fake news. Uh, but also, you know, I think that there's, uh, you know, I, I think that publishers and Facebook have a very complicated relationship right now. They have a, a huge, uh, a huge market share, and publishers need them. Um, and Facebook's still trying to figure out uh, what they want from publishers. Yeah, no, I I imagine that you and your organization. I mean, you're still working heavily with Facebook and Google. Obviously, you just mentioned yeah. that you were sitting in the room per se before that algorithm came. So, so what what does these type of partnerships look like for for an organization like Vice Media? Yeah, so Vice Media. I mean, you know, obviously we have a massive presence on YouTube. Uh, so all our digital channels have a YouTube channel. Uh, YouTube has been um, a big driver for success with us. And then for Facebook as well, uh, we have huge audiences on Facebook. Uh, Facebook's proven to be very valuable to us over the last decade in terms of growing our audience. Um, but from a dollars and cents perspective, Vice Media is really one of the leaders in for what you might want to call brand-supported content. So content uh, that's paid for by a brand, sponsored content, branded content, however you want to label it. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, Facebook, Facebook is a primary driver for us with sponsored content. Um, we can get a lot of eyeballs uh, to create. We create uh, these big programs for big brands. You mentioned some of them at the kickoff, but there's lots more. We've worked with, I think last year in Canada alone, we did you know well over 200 uh, branded content campaigns. Um, so yeah, Facebook. That that's our that's one of our primary business models is is working with Facebook to create content that's useful for people, content that gives them value in their lives. Um, we're not looking to make ads and put them in people's feeds. We're re really looking to do brand supported content that adds value rather than the interruptive model of, uh, you know, I have to watch this pre-roll ad before I can get to what I really want to watch, which is one of the challenges I think, you know, generationally, because if you're talking to about, let's say Gen Z, they're not interested in interruptive advertising. They're not going to pay attention. So how do you reach them in a meaningful way as a brand? Uh, you know, we find that the best way is through content. Yeah, I, I mean, you brought something up that I I absolutely hate with Facebook videos is that is the commercials. Like when you're watching actual video, I mean, you get amazing videos that may be applicable to you, but their commercials are that in interruption commercials. It's really annoying because it happens a lot. So um one thing one thing that you brought up was was providing like these i guess these value from branded content they're more stories now it's really really storytelling right yeah, yeah and that was a big shift and i don't know if that just happened recently or it's been happening for a long time and people who are in traditional media i guess who were successful were always telling those type of you know like coke coke tells a story uh, during christmas this is the one you want to be with because they know family right but but we're not just doing like just pushing things in people's faces now. People have to be really creative now, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, branded content is nothing new. I mean, you look at probably the most successful branded con content campaign in history, uh, that would probably be the Michelin Guide, which was created 100 years ago uh, for motorists. Uh, and mm -hmm. now the Michelin Guide is massively influential in the restaurant world. Uh, you look at the creation of soap operas in the 50s. That was stuff like Proc Procter & Gamble creating a TV show for housewives at home. Uh, so it's not new. What has been new in the last several years is that companies are starting to realize that they can't just make a long ad. So <laughs> we yeah. get we get briefs all the time where, you know, oh, we want to make a 
let's say, of a, a video about a car. They're going to go on a trip somewhere in this car, and we need to show the rear view camera. We need to show the Apple CarPlay connecting to Apple CarPlay. We need <laughs> to show the, the turn radius. You get all these product uh, descriptions that they want, all these product hits, sometimes 13, 14 in a three, four minute video. At that point, we have to push back because you're not making content. You're making an ad. You're making an ad that happens to tell us a story. And there's a big difference there. So what we try to tell brands is, you know, listen, give people value. You can get them with the branding later. You know, provide value to their lives, get them to like your brand, and then tell your brand story later. And, no, for, uh, and yeah, it's 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 been mostly successful. For sure, for sure. And, I, and just hold that thought. I mean, if you are just joining us live on the internet, uh, we're talking about the challenges of being a media company in a du Dupali landscape. You know, talking about technology companies, media that, that are becoming media companies like Twitter um, on the line with myself is Sean from, from Vice Media. So if you have any questions, love to hear from you or join the conversation. And, and if you are in the media space, would like to get your take on or some of the challenges that, that's happening to you. Um, when you get these briefs, Sean, are you getting, <laughs> are you getting people still asking, can we, can you help us create something viral? Like, is that, is that still a thing? <laughs> yeah, it totally is. That's, that, that, that's a word that, you know, honestly, we kind of roll our eyes uh, when we hear it, that viral word. Uh, viral, you know, if you're trying to create something viral, chances are it's not going to work. That's not the nature of viral stuff on the internet. I think you try to create something good, something memorable, something that provides value, as I've said. Uh, the audience will decide whether it goes viral or not. And I don't know. I mean, don't you sometimes like some of the stuff that goes viral, you're like, I can't believe this is a thing. Oh my gosh. And sometimes I, sometimes I get it when it loops around again, right? Like when something's viral, you, you see it six months later again, right? Like that's, that's true viral. And you have, you have no idea what, what would make it viral. Right. So yeah, there's no way to, there's no way to predict it. There's no way. And if you're trying to build your campaign to go viral, you're probably starting from an inauthentic place. That's right. And that's, and that's the key. Start from an authentic point of view. And, and if it goes viral, great. Everyone gets a promotion. No, for sure. For sure. So I'm, I'm really interested, super curious. I mean, you're, we're talking about these challenges of traditional media companies. Uh, I mean, there's such a, a, such a narrow margin to work within now. So how are you dealing with this challenges, Sean? Like, how are you leading your teams to be successful? Well, you know, I think, I think an over-reliance on any one uh, method is, uh, of getting an audience is problematic. And one thing I want to differentiate here is that, you know, there's a big difference between getting traffic and getting an audience. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of these publishing companies that we see failing now, these web publishing companies that we see failing in the advent of like the Facebook algorithm change and the challenges in the marketplace, and we could talk about, you know, the programmatic ad, ad landscape, you know, slashing rates down. Uh, you know, people who relied on traffic are going to fail. People who build an audience succeed. And that's what we've done over the years at, at Vice with all our channels, like our food channel, Munchies, our tech channel, Motherboard. We built loyal audiences that follow us for a reason. Now, because we have those audience and we have permission to speak to those audiences and have a conversation with those audiences, uh, we're also allowed to provide, to give them the option of watching brand supported content. And that's really our model. Uh, that's the main revenue driver for us, at least from in the digital space, uh, that brand supported content. Other companies are struggling to catch up to that model. 
Um, you know, we were some of the first to do it and do it well. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the reality is in this duopoly landscape, uh, you don't have a margin for error. You've got to get it right. You've got to have your relationships with Facebook and Google right. And I mean, next up, probably it's going to be a try. Is it a triopoly? I don't even know how to say it. But, you know, <laughs> but, but Amazon is going to be big in the next year in terms of the content space. You're going to see Amazon. The way you consume Amazon will change. Amazon is going to have a lot more video on their site. And you know, it makes sense because you're just one click away from buying. No, for sure. And I, I'm coming from the voice, the voice content world, right? And I remember one of my one of my media partners are like, Edwin, you need to you need to get Amazon Alexa. And it wasn't even available in Canada, right? But so I was when I was in the States, I picked it up and I checked it out and and I just, you know, my mind just started getting blown because people want to just sometimes just listen to this content, right? And and voice is coming back hard, right? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Because no one has, you know, just keeping the eyeballs on, on a screen is one thing and it has to be amazing. It has to look amazing, right? Um, <laughs> and then not to say I, I laugh with my friends that I have the I have the face for for these podcasts, right? So, <laughs> so, so it's almost perfect. But uh, yeah, I'm I mean I'm really interested to see to see where where you know where it goes or this I don't even know how you say that word triology. I don't know. I'm not even gonna say it. Let's, let's not even let's not even go there. But because everything is changing so fast, Sean. So yeah. talk to me about about this the pace of the the landscape changing. Like like what what do you see or what do you think the next few years will look like for for media companies? Well, you know, I think it's to embrace not just being one thing. Mm -hmm. So if you're just all we do is we do flashy video or all we do, like you hear a lot of this in the media companies these days, everyone's trying to pivot to video, pivot to video. Uh, and at the same time, you know, a lot of modern media companies like ourselves at Vice, we're investing in podcasts, for example, because we recognize that, uh, you know, to your point, it's not just one screen anymore. It's not just, I am going to consume this piece of content and then move on to the next piece of content. That's not the way a younger audience consumes. A younger audience consumes several pieces of content often at once. They're taking in way more than previous generations have. So they've got the podcast on, they're surfing the internet, the TV's on, or you know, maybe it's not attached to a cable box, but you know, there is a screen that is a TV. Uh, you know, they're consuming content and they're consuming at a prodigious rate from multiple sources. So I think that, you know, modern media companies need to embrace that. They need to embrace what their audience wants. They don't want to be interrupted by ads. They don't want to be hit over the head with brand messaging. What they really want is, you know, hey, maybe I want to listen to a podcast. Maybe I also want to check out this video on YouTube at the same time. Um, so embracing that multiplicity of media, I think, is the key to success. No, for sure. And, and you were, you actually, as, as you were mentioning that, I started thinking about Spotify, right? So the younger generations, the younger generations, none of them probably turn on a radio. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, a lot of them I'm sure are using the free version of Spotify. So, I mean, this is just me thinking about how are advertisers or media companies thinking about Spotify if they're trying to get an ad onto that platform but the subscriber pays for it because what you're paying for is no ads right yeah exactly you you pay for no ads or you or you consume the ads but the question is 
are you really consuming the ads at that point or does your brain shut off? And there's a lot of studies that say, especially for Gen Z, uh, they're not paying attention. Uh, if you look at, let's say YouTube, for example, uh, pre-roll, you know what they're focusing on is they're focusing on the skip ad button. That's, yes. what, that's what they're looking at. Wait, waiting for it, waiting for it, ah, skip ad, click, gone. So that's what they're looking. That's that's what they're looking at. So you've got to question. You know, yes, you can invest in interruptive advertising, like Spotify, uh, the Spotify free model, or like YouTube pre-roll. You can invest a lot of money in that. What kind of results are you getting? Especially, you know, I'm not talking about an over 35 or over 40 year old audience. I'm talking right. that younger demographic that all advertisers covet. Uh, they're not paying attention. So you better find a way to give them value or you're not going to reach them. No, for sure. Where are you in the brands that you're working with gravitating when it comes to these social networks? Because I know I, I, I'm, I'm that, I'm that like uncle or older person in a room who'll be talking to the high schooler and say, "Hey, so uh, are you and all your friends on Instagram, or who, where are you guys talking?" <laughs> like, I'm, I'm that person like interviewing these the younger generations to find out where where they're spending their time on digitally, right? And talking to their friends, right? Um, so, so where are the brands looking towards or investing in? Well, you know, it's funny. I was doing a talk in front of like a couple hundred high school kids uh, last year. And I asked, uh, how many of you consume Vice content? Most of them raised their hands. I said, how many of you consume it on Snap, uh, Snapchat? And uh, almost every hand stayed up because Vice is on the homepage of Snapchat Discover. That's right. Um, so, you know, Obviously, Snapchat has taken a bit of a beating in the last year, um, so maybe that's changed now. But for another example of that would be we launched a, a video gaming channel called Waypoint, and we launched that in association with uh, Twitch. Yes. I, I had honestly never even heard of Twitch prior to us doing this part. Twitch is huge. Twitch it's is huge. Massive, massive. Like, I'm an, old, I'm an old guy, right? And I'm like, oh, I can't understand how these kids spend hours watching people play video games. And then I got on it. And next thing you know, I was like, I spent 20 minutes watching this guy go through some level on, I don't know what game. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 and the person is talking as he does uh -huh. it, right? A lot of the time, right? So, And it becomes almost like a podcast. Like it's almost like they're explaining their tactics. They're doing all this. And people are, are getting value from that. And we don't know what's going to come next. I mean, in a year or two, there might be a brand new platform that this younger generation, but the ability to be flexible and the ability for a media company to say, I'm not just one thing. I'm going to be... I'm going to try to do everything and I'm going to dip my toes into everything. That's the key because, you know, I mean, 10 years ago, we could not have anticipated that, you know, a co companies like Facebook and Google would dominate the landscape so much. Uh, you know, the growth of Amazon has been insane, uh, but we don't know what's next to disrupt. And the key, if you maintain your agility, uh, you're going to succeed. If you're not agile, you're, you're going to fail. No, it's 100%. And one thing that just came to mind, and I'd love to get your take on this, Sean, is, is, uh, Maple Leaf Sports, uh, obviously they they own ads like the Raptors or the Maple or Maple Leafs. But I I see on my feed because I I'm I'm a fan of basketball. Me too. And, and man, these two K leagues, these sports two yeah. K leagues, like I can't believe the these people are professional sports players, quote unquote huh? sports players, and they're doing it all on Twitch or NBA and like showing these games and live and and it's massive. Like like where are these opportunities next coming from that? Because everyone's becoming a star and that's what social media was, right? Not you yeah. know per se that we're becoming stars, but we're all anyone has a talent 
we have a sort of a platform to to share things on now, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that that's a really interesting point because that also raises the notion that you should be truly global in how you look at things. Because three, four, five years ago, uh, there were there there were game game competitions, gaming competitions, drawing like fifty thousand people into an arena in South Korea. Yes. So you saw in 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 the in uh, the 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 APAC market, you saw this this rise, and so now you've got. Speaking of rise, you've got Raptors uprising. That's you've right. Got all these, you've got all these. They're teams. in the playoffs. Yeah, sweet, <laughs> sweet. I'll, I'll renew my season tickets. Uh, but uh, no, they, you know, uh, this could have been anticipated by a lot of people if you just looked to that market and seen, you know, there's an appetite for this. People want to watch this, uh, you know, and that's why, you know, I think for any company, any brand, maintaining that look at the global landscape is key because you never know where the next trend's going to come from. No, it's amazing. It's absolutely uh, fascinating. If you just joined us, um, Sean and I, Sean from Vice Media, we're just talking about the challenges of, of, of media companies in a du- Dupali landscape. I mean, we're slowly winding down. So, Sean, if I could get maybe if you could share some final tips for the listeners out there, whether they're a brand or maybe a media company, you know, what can you share to them? Uh, what can help them today or, or even in the next year or so? Uh, you know, I, I think I think at the end of the day, you know, you can vote with your eyeballs. You know, uh, the way you can, what you choose to consume, uh, is going to dictate what companies create for you in the future. So, if you don't like interruptive ad models, if you don't like uh, pre-roll, just just skip it. Just get out of there. Uh, likewise, you know, if if you're unhappy uh, that a certain media company is taking a certain, let's say, a political perspective you don't love, just stop visiting. I think that uh, at the end of the day, everyone is searching for that that time spent. They they want users to spend some time associated with their brand, associated with their media company. So you can really vote with your time. I, I think that you can change the landscape. Um, yeah, just by 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 not putting up with stuff uh, if you don't want to, because there's plenty of stuff out there. There's no shortage of content to consume. There's no shortage of options available to you to entertain yourself. No, 100%. And obviously, with that note, thanks for your time as well, Sean. And everyone listening, thanks for your time. But, Sean, before before I, I let you go, where can we find more information about you, Vice Media, or anything you'd like to share with the listeners today? Yeah, I mean, just go to vice.com. You know, we've got channels that speak to virtually every passion point. So I mentioned our food channel, our tech channel, the gaming channel. Uh, we've got a lot out there. Um, and yeah, just <laughs> speaking of the duopoly, like us on Facebook, follow <laughs> us on Facebook, uh, you know, check out our YouTube channels. We're, we're cool with it. You know, it doesn't matter where you consume content. Uh, just, just, just keep watching. That's what we love. Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for co-hosting the Business Leadership Podcast live today. And I think uh, you and I need to get back on here in the near future and and really talk about new things as it comes up. Yeah, sounds great, man. I really like this. Thanks. Thank you very much. So the Business Leadership Podcast Live, it's an almost daily show. Um, It airs typically on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. This call is brought to you by Dialogue. So if you like discussions and debates, you can host your own call-in talk show over social media. And if you haven't done so yet, please check out the Business Leadership Podcast where I sit down with amazing business leaders to discuss their personal journey 
and experience of business leadership. New episodes drop every Tuesday. So the most recent one that dropped yesterday um, was from the CEO. Uh, my guest was Ross Paquette. He's the CEO chairman of Maripost, which is which is a global leader in uh, automation marketing. So be sure to check that uh, episode out. It was amazing. He shared enough things. You can listen to it on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, again, that's a wrap. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy hump day. Uh, have a fantastic week, and I'll see you all next time. Edwin signing off.